the Bible Study Podcast, episode 489. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Proverbs with chapter 27. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We have chapter 27 here of Proverbs, and I believe we have, in fact, 27 new Proverbs. So let's get started. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. I'm reminded of Jesus' story about the rich man who tore down all his barns because they weren't enough to hold his stuff, and then basically was going to build new barns and was told, this very night your life will be asked of you. We don't know how many days we get. We just really don't know. So we plan for the future, but boasting in it isn't going to get you anywhere. Let someone else praise you and not your own mouth, an outsider and not your own lips. That seems a little foreign in today's world of social media and influencer marketing and all of that sort of things. I've had to learn how to promote the show and other shows that I do, and yet be in this sort of thing of not letting it get to my head, not letting it become the point where I become boastful. And I find that challenging sometimes. Stone is heavy and sand a burden, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. You don't want to be provoked by a fool. If you're provoked by somebody who's a wise person, one, first of all, they probably don't go around provoking people, but also there's the thought there that you could talk them out of it that you could apply wisdom to the situation. And yet it's going to be difficult if you're in a situation where the person who you are at odds with can't be reasoned with. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Those of you who haven't watched Shakespeare's Othello probably still know that jealousy can tear things down. Jealousy can break relationships, whether or not there's a reason to be jealous. And that applies to friendships and it applies to marriages, obviously, just as well. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. And then a similar one, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Two different thoughts, but related. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. If you think about it, an open rebuke, if somebody rebukes you, you can do something with it. You can change, you can understand that you've got a problem, you can address it, but hidden love doesn't change anything. If I love you, but I don't show it, it's not going to change you in any way. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. It's almost saying it's better to be rebuked by a friend than to complimented by an enemy. In the sense that one can be trusted, you can count on a friend to tell you the truth. To tell you when you're wrong so you can correct it. But an enemy you can't count on for anything. One who is full loathes honey from the comb, but to the hungry even what is bitter tastes sweet. Everything tastes better to somebody who's hungry. And I think that is not just a proverb about food. Like a bird that flees its nest if is anyone who flees from home. When I think of that, when I think of a bird who flees its nest, I think of a little baby bird. And I don't know if you've ever come across the bird that has fallen out of its nest, the bird that isn't ready to go but falls out of its nest. And I wonder if that's what we're talking about here. A bird that flees its nest prematurely is going to be a bird that is helpless. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. 
It's interesting how often in the Bible uh, aromas are brought in as something that reminds us of things, right? Think about that. If you walk into a house and you smell your mom's chocolate chip cookie recipe, just how evocative that can be, or pumpkin pie baking around Thanksgiving, or whatever smells trigger you, that pleasant, pleasant sensation. And talking about in comparison to that are heartfelt advice from a friend, somebody who knows you, who you can trust, who is looking out for your best interest, who gives you advice. What a wonderful thing that is. And we may not always welcome it, but this is saying maybe we should. Maybe we should think about what a gift this is. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family, and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. Those seem like two different thoughts. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family as remember the people you care about. Remember them, especially when they need you. Don't forsake them in times of trouble. But on the other hand, when things happen, when there's a crisis, when there's an earthquake or a tornado or whatever it is that happens where you are, a hurricane, the people who are nearby you are the people who are going to help you or need your help. Better a neighbor than a relative far away. It gives us some encouragement to get to know our neighbors and to learn to care for them as well. Be wise, my son, and bring joy to my heart. Then I can answer anyone who treats me with contempt. I take this as one of the many Proverbs that are talking about the joy that a son or a daughter who is wise brings to a parent. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. This can be as simple as knowing when it's not safe to go out on the lake or the ice or when to be prudent in business or whatever, but to see the danger and knowing when it's time to not just push through, but it's time to change your course is something that is prudent. It is something that is wise. And again, prudence, when you take wisdom and I think you apply it to actual practical decisions. Take the garment of one who puts up security for a stranger. Hold it in pledge if it is done for an outsider. There have been several proverbs that talk about it being dangerous or imprudent to put up security for a stranger. For instance, and take the impractical situation of someone stops you in the street and says, Hey, I need a loan from the bank. Would you co-sign? I think most people would say no, and they would say no because they don't know what they can trust this person's character. This is an odder one. Take the garment of the one who puts up security for a stranger and hold it in pledge if it is done for an outsider. And the taking of the garment here is taking collateral. And I'm not sure that there's a whole lot else I can get out of that particular proverb. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Now, I used to tell my father this (laughs) when I was a child, that it was in the Bible that it said it is like cursing somebody to wake them with a loud voice in the morning. He did not receive it well. A quarrelsome wife is like dripping of a leaking roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand.
again, I get think that Solomon had some problems with quarrelsome wives. He certainly had way too many wives for my taste. And so there's got to be at least one of them in there that is quarrelsome. But it's just that ongoing nagging is like that ongoing leaking of the roof. And you just can't stop it. Doesn't sound like a good thing. And again, what I would say is think about that before you get in that relationship. Don't assume that the person who is quarrelsome when you're dating them is going to become non-quarrelsome is suddenly going to lose that quarrelsome nature when you marry them. Same is true when you're hiring people. Same is true when you make friendships. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I hope you have in your life someone who sharpens you, someone whose wisdom rubs off on you, someone you can bring questions to, someone you can bring problems to, someone you can argue with in a good way in the sense of trying to figure out a better way to understand things by bouncing things off of them. The one who guards a fig tree will eat its fruit and whoever protects their master will be honored. So protect your master. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. If you want to know what someone believes, if you want to know what they're like inside, see how they act. Death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are human eyes. I go back to Genesis 2. If you look at Genesis 2 and you look at the original sin, Adam is told, here's an apple, it looks good, it tastes good, and it'll make you like God. And we see in that the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of the heart. And those basic three things we're still struggling with. The lust of the eyes leads to adultery. It leads to jealousy. It leads to coveting. It leads to all of those sort of things that we can look at what someone has and never be satisfied. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but people are tested by their praise. It's interesting. I never think of praise as being a test But if you're someone who struggles with humility, that certainly can be. Though you grind a fool in a mortar, grinding them like grain with a pestle, you will not remove their folly from them. Kind of hard to get foolishness out of a fool. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. And a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and new growth appears and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing and the goats with the price of a field. You have plenty of goat's milk to feed your family and to nourish your female servants. I think the real key thing here is pay attention because riches don't endure. Just because you're rich today doesn't mean you'll be rich tomorrow. Now, we have to remember that in light of all of the other verses that talk about us needing to be generous and needing to make money not the most important thing in our lives, but it is important to understand as you deal with money. And I'm one of those people who can relate to this. I was, at least on paper during the dot-com days, a paper millionaire, a paper multimillionaire even. And all of that went away, and it went away within the course of a year. I didn't sell when I could have, and therefore I lost literally millions of dollars that I could have earned, that I could have cashed out of a company that I was at. Now, it was a good experience for me because I could look back on that and say, well, that was a bad idea, you know, learn from that in the future. But I could also look back and say, but on the other hand, I'm healthy. I've got a family who loves me. I am still a very rich man. 
And I pray that you are also this week. And I pray that you find someone who will sharpen you like iron. With that, we'll end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. Or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.